So our reading today is from Matthew 8, starting at verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He said, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of a man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that nobody could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Thank you. You may have a seat. So, uh, at this point, um, I'm going to invite up, uh, I have the joy of inviting up a, a good friend of mine, uh, someone who is very passionate about seeing uh, Christ's kingdom enlarged and, and, and going out, people knowing about Jesus. He's also, uh, obviously he's a pastor, he's also a grandfather. Um, I know that's a, a title that's really dear to him, uh, and he's a, a mentor of mine and a good friend. Uh, so, Pastor Bill Meyer uh, will be preaching with us this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you. Um, I really thank you for the privilege of being here. I know a lot of you, um, some of you are, haven't met yet. I'd um, love to have a chance to say hello to you before the, uh, at the end of the message. Um, the uh, grandchildren that, um, that Justin was mentioning, uh, a few of them are here in our church, uh, Jonah, Evan, and Stacy. Uh, my daughter is, uh, is Rebecca. Um, a lot of you guys know that. Some of you may not know that. So um, it's, a, it's a wonderful blessing. Grandchildren are a blessing. And so um, Chris... Uh, invited me to preach as part of the series that, um, that we're in right now, the series uh, entitled As Told by a Scoundrel, Encounters with Jesus in the Book of Matthew. And today we are going to look at two encounters that kind of are in the minds of many who study these passages of Scripture um, belong together. They should be studied in tandem because they talk about two aspects of kind of the same thing. This morning by bringing us to Christmas. 
When I was a kid growing up in Ocean Grove, we used to have a time where we called, that we called Christmas in July, and they would decorate the town of Ocean Grove with decorate with lights and everything like that. It was always a fun time. And so today we kind of can think about Christmas in July, and I want to bring you to um, one of my favorite scenes from the many movies that we look at during the Christmas time, and it's a scene where Charlie Brown is feeling depressed and discouraged, and he goes to talk to Lucy, the psychiatrist, um, to deal with his depression and his discouragement. And uh, as, uh, as part of her psychiatric practice, Lucy begins to listen, list all of the possibilities of what Charlie Brown could be afraid of. Fear of responsibility, fear of stairs, fear of bridges, and uh, fear of cats. And finally, she lists a fear called pantophobia. And Charlie Brown asks her, Lucy, what's that? What's pantophobia? And, and, and Lucy says, fear of everything. And Charlie Brown responds back, that's it! One of, a great, one of the great scenes from, uh, from cartoons of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Well, fear is one of the most common human emotions. In fact, uh, we have fear as not just a negative response, but also a, a response that sometimes we feel in order to protect us. And while living in normal times, uh, there's many, 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 of course, occasions for fear, but in these days, it just seems like there's opportunities to be afraid around every corner. Isn't that right? I mean, we've lived through a pandemic. In fact, we thought that we had lived through a pandemic, pandemic, and, uh, and now, all of a sudden, there's this new variant of this disease that um, is, again, burning its way through, through our, our uh, country. Uh, today, we are afraid of the economy. There's a lot of economic uncertainty. Uh, we also uh, are fearful of, of political unrest. Uh, we live in a, in a world that often seems like it's out of control. I mean, I've made the statement many times to uh, people that these days seem to be some of the most chaotic, uncertain, and difficult days that I really have seen in my life. And I, I'm, an, I'm an old man, so I've seen a lot. I've lived through a lot of times. I've lived through a lot of fearful times. But these days seem especially fearful. Uh, and in many respects, this is true because as Romans 8.22 says, the world is groaning under the effect of sin. I really appreciate it. I listened as, as preparation for this message, Pastor Chris's message last week, and I really appreciated how he outlined that the result of some of the challenges that we have in this world, he was particularly speaking about disease. The reason we live in a world that is broken and wracked by disease is because of the fact that we live in a fallen world. And, uh, and I, that is such a truth, that's a tr such a true thing for us to understand as followers of the Lord Jesus. And, uh, and as I think about this reality, the reality that we live in a world, that a, a, a creation that is fallen and is groaning under the effect of sin, I like to think about uh, something that is called the story of God. 
And uh, there's a little graphic that we're going to put up that explains the story of God. And this is just a beautiful uh, picture of the gospel. You know, if you want to outline the entire Bible in four movements, you can outline it this way. You could talk about creation. You could talk about fall. You could talk about redemption. And you can talk about restoration. And of course, we all know about the fall. We know how Adam and Eve... Uh, uh, disobeyed God, and the Lord, as a result of that, said that you're going to live under a curse. You're going to live under a world that is broken, a world that is infested with thorns, a world that is, uh, that is headed towards death and decay. Uh, you're going to live in a world in which, which husbands and wives no longer uh, live in the harmony that I intended to, for them. And then, uh, and then um, we live, and then the Lord he, at the very end of that pronouncement, the Lord God promised that even though all of these things are true, I am going to send a redeemer to bring back into this earth what I intended. Balance, harmony, goodness, the creation, the good creation as I intended, to, intended it. And of course, that culminates for us in the story of our Lord Jesus Christ who came into this world and took on himself, bore in himself all of that curse, all of that penalty for sin. And now as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are, are a follower of Jesus, you have placed your trust in the Lord to, to receive from him the deliverance and the freedom from the effects of that curse so that we have the opportunity to look forward to, uh, to being with him in glory someday. And we look forward even more so as Christians to a day when everything is going to be set right. When, the, when all of this decay, all of this destruction, all of this, uh, this hardship that we live under is going to be uh, redeemed and restored and creation is going to be set back to what God intended it to be. A place of beauty, a place of harmony, a place of peace, a place where justice rolls down like the waters cover the sea. Um, restoration. The ultimate hope of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to say that if you're here today and you have not understood this and really have not embraced this reality that the purpose of Jesus coming was to redeem you and to restore you, uh, today would be a great day to do that. And I know that we're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service for anyone who might want to receive prayer uh, for any issue, but particularly about that issue, that'd be an opportunity to do this. But, you know, here's the, the other truth. The other truth is that although all of these things are true, although redemption has happened in the Lord Jesus Christ, we still live under this fallen world. We still live in a world that is in some, to some degrees the domain of the devil. The scripture tells us that when Jesus came, he came to destroy the works of the devil. I love that passage of scripture. It's, there's many beautiful summaries of what Jesus came to do. There's a passage of scripture that says Jesus came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a passage of scripture that says that the Lord Jesus came to lay down his life as a redemption for many. Uh, but this passage of scripture talks about the, the role of our Lord Jesus Christ in this cosmic struggle 
between good and evil that we experience in, in our life through those things that create this fear in us. Disease, sickness, economic dislocation, injustice, all of the problems that we look in in this world. It says these are all the works of the devil, and the scripture says that the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And so although this is true, we still live in this world that is experiencing and living under this fallenness. And so we read in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, these words, it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the um, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. One of the things that is so true, I think especially about my generation, I think it's becoming less true of younger generations, is that we have this disconnect intellectually from the supernatural. And we think that, that you know, even as Christians, we give assent to the fact that God is a miracle-working God, and we read the stories of the Bible, and we don't think that those stories could really happen today. But the truth is, is that we live in a world that in, in which sometimes God and the enemy break through into this natural world and cause either good things to happen or in the case of the enemy, bad things to happen. And those two forces of the forces of Jesus and the kingdom of God are currently battling against the forces of the enemy. This is the world that we live in. Now, if we don't really embrace that world, uh, I think that our Christianity is kind of just you know, go, often just going through the motions, uh, not realizing, uh, you know, if, if I don't know that I'm in a battle, why should I get up in the morning and fight? But the reality is that we are in this spiritual battle. And Jesus has entered into this world to destroy the works of the enemy. And he has called us as his disciples and as his followers to join with him in fighting the battle. There's a wonderful song that we sing in our church, I'm sure you sing it here, uh, that has a phrase in it, this is how I fight my battles. Well, the reason we talk about fighting battles is because we are in a battle. And the passages of scripture that we're going to look at today, that were just read for us a few moments ago, really uh, shine a light on the reality of those, that spiritual battle that we are engaged with, both in the natural world and in the supernatural world. Both parts of, of our reality are engaged in these next verses that we're going to look, about, look at. But the central theme of these verses is that Jesus has overcome our fear. He has overcome all of those different things that Lucy talked about, and especially the fear that Charlie Brown acknowledged, the fear of everything. Jesus has overcome our fear because he has authority to bring peace into chaos. Jesus has authority to bring peace into chaos. And we're going to see him do this in just a few moments as we work through this passage uh, the first thing that I, and, and one of the things I just want to explain to you is that we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 23 and verse 34, which seems to be two stories, but actually these two stories are linked. And uh, we're going to actually be looking for most of this message uh, a little bit differently rather than by verse by verse. We're going to be looking at these stories side by side. 
because there's a lot of parallels in both these stories that help us to understand what's really going on here and what the lesson is for us. But the first, uh, the first point that I would like to make is that in this story of Jesus, we see Jesus intentionally moving towards broken places and broken people. You know, when the Lord enters a person's life, it's not by accident. When the Lord enters into a circumstance, it's not by accident. If you're, I, I want to shout, tell you is that if for some reason you showed up to this church, maybe because your parents dragged you here, or maybe because somebody invited you here, or uh, maybe you saw, uh, read about this church on the internet, or somebody said that you should check out this church, it's not an accident. Jesus is intentional about moving into the places and the people that need to be changed. He's intentional about moving towards broken people, broken places. And we see this right in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, which is actually a little bit before the story. If you don't read the whole chapter of Matthew at chapter 8, you would kind of miss this because we're moving through the story and Pastor Chris spoke about the story last week and then we have another story that uh, kind of is intersected between these two, these stories of Jesus' authority that are about Jesus and his call to discipleship. But right before that section, we read this little, we read this little verse and it says this, it says, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. This is one of the things that I love about the story of Jesus. Jesus knew what was going to happen both in the journey to the other side and when he got to the other side. In fact, the place that he was telling them to go was a place called Decapolis. Decapolis was not the place where normally a Jewish rabbi who wanted to find disciples to follow him would go because it was actually uh, a, mostly a Gentile place. It was thought of by the Jewish people as being a place of darkness. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising for them to find a demon-possessed people in that area. Of course, if I was a Jewish person going into that area, I think there'd be all kinds of evil people. And of course, they wouldn't be surprised to be, find, be, be, to be finding pigs that are unclean according to the Jewish law being raised in that area. So Jesus knew that he was going into a place that really was a place of darkness and really could be thought of as the domain of the devil. But the Lord Jesus moved to that place intentionally. He moved to that place intentionally. And so we see this reality about the Lord Jesus, but we also see this. We see that the devil does not give up without a fight. And uh, this story is filled with some really kind of interesting conflict if you like to follow the narrative of a story. So, uh, and, and the first area in which we see the devil fighting back is by this storm that came out seemingly out of nowhere. Matthew chapter 8 verse 23 says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. And this storm is interesting to study, not just from a natural perspective, but also from a spiritual perspective. Many scholars think that there is a supernatural element to this storm, and I tend to agree with that. In Jesus' day, uh, just, in, just by, by nature of their worldview, people saw the sea as a place of chaos, a place of death, 
a place of evil, a place of judgment. And many believed that the sea was the natural dwelling place for the demonic. And so, as I said, many people see a supernatural, many scholars who study this passage see a supernatural element to the storm. And they see actually the weather acting as an agent of the evil one. Can that happen? Yes, it can. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the devil is going to pull out every, every tactic at his disposal to stop the way of Jesus going forward. And so, uh, in this particular case, as I said, many scholars see the weather acting as an agent of the evil one, an obstacle to Jesus's mission. And so, Jesus is going into this dark place called Decapolis, and the enemy says, you think you're going to come into my territory? Not if I can help it. And so, this storm, the Bible says, just came up suddenly. It came up suddenly. It came out of nowhere. And of course, these people who were in the boat with Jesus were experienced fishermen. So they would know whether it was a good idea to cross the, Gal the Sea of Galilee or not based on their experience. They had no hesitancy getting in the boat, got in the boat, and then suddenly out of nowhere came this storm. One second there was calm, the next a violent storm. And then uh, one thing that's also interesting about how the Lord Jesus dealt with this storm is that the Bible tells us that he rebuked the storm. He rebuked the storm. And that word rebuked is the same word that is used over and over and over in Scripture for how Jesus interacts with the demonic. He speaks to the demon and says, be quiet. He speaks to the demon and says, go. And Jesus did the same thing to this storm that ha perhaps had this supernatural origin. He said, be quiet, it says in one of the versions. He said, go. And Matthew says he rebuked the storm using the very same words that would be used of uh, the Lord Jesus in him rebuking a demon. And so uh, one way to understand the story is that Satan, knowing that Jesus is coming into this territory where he pretty much has free reign, physically opposes Jesus by stirring up this storm. Now, I said we're going to look at these passages side by side. And so one of the ways that, that Jesus' work is opposed is by this storm. But another way in which the work of Jesus is opposed is by creating this horrible, violent kind of a fear emanating from this demon-possessed man, men actually, that Jesus is going to encounter. And so we read in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men came from the tomb and met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Now, I could spend a lot of time this morning, and I'm not for the sake of time talking about this whole idea of demonization, um, but I will tell you that um, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe what the Bible says, then one of the things that we would believe is that demons are real, that there really are spiritual forces of wickedness that can control a human being. How that actually happens theologically, I'm not going to get into all the discussions and arguments about that, but I'm just going to say that the Bible asserts that that is true. And so I believe and I live my life operating on the idea that that is true. But I want us for just a moment to imagine 
Imagine what it was like for the people who are living in, Deca- in Decapolis. Uh, there, was a, there was a cemetery, is what the picture is, and uh, in the cemetery, as many of the cemeteries had in the, in the ancient Near East, uh, there were caves because often they buried their dead in the caves. And there were two men living in the caves that were so, uh, so utterly controlled by demonic forces that they, would, they were actually in, engaging in terrible self-destructive behavior. They were cutting themselves. They, they were... Uh, they were um, any person who would come by through the cemetery, they would drive out uh, with violent outbursts. And so it was such a... And, and uh, the one scripture says that uh, some of the people in, uh, in the territory tried to restrain these, the, these demons by chaining up the men, but they would break the chains. And so we just have this picture of this, really from a horror movie, right, if you can imagine it, of these horrible, this horrible situation that is happening. Uh, and the whole purpose of this is to keep away people who can bring help to this terribly hurting, these terribly hurting men. If we can scare them away, they can't help. And so again, the enemy is opposing even Jesus, thinking, you know, if I, if I can create this reputation, uh, Jesus may not come. However, here's the wonderful truth, and this is kind of the center truth that I want us to really grab hold of, is this. The center truth is this, is that Jesus and the demons know that Jesus has authority to overcome fear. Jesus and the demons know that Jesus has authority to overcome chaos. Jesus knows it, and the enemy knows it. The enemy knew it then, and the enemy knows it now, that that Jesus, when he steps into a situation, he has the power, he has the authority to bring peace into that situation. And how, so how do we know that Jesus knew? Well, the way that we knew that, know that Jesus know, it knew is through the scene that is depicted for us uh, as they're crossing over to the Decapolis. You know, the, they're in the boat, the storm is raging, and thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, the storm is raging, and um, as the storm is raging, uh, the disciples, uh, you know, are fearful you can picture them bailing out the boat, and they look and they see Jesus sleeping in the stern. Uh, the, one scripture tells us that it's on a pillow, uh, you know, comfy, uh, in the back of the boat, while the boat is going down. Why was he doing that? Because Jesus knows that despite the storms that were raging around his disciples, he had the authority to bring peace into that situation. He had the authority to overcome both the storm and their fears. And, uh, and so we see that in the one passage of Scripture that Jesus knew. Uh, we know it because he is sleeping. One preacher pointed out that it always seems that when Jesus is awake, I like this, it always seems that when Jesus is awake, the disciples are sleeping. And when Jesus is sleeping, the disciples are panicking. Uh, but the reason that Jesus was sleeping is because he knew that the victory over the enemy 
had already been won. And, uh, and not only did Jesus know, but the demons knew. Because we read in Matthew chapter 8, 28, verse 29, these words, it says, What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Uh, this passage, this verse of Scripture is a really, really important thing for us to understand because it helps us to realize that uh, the, the demonic entities that were harassing and terrorizing these two men just trying to destroy their life, they knew that their end was certainly going to come. But when Jesus showed up in the scene, they came to the conclusion that their end was actually a little bit sooner than they had realized. Because when Jesus entered the scene, the demons quaked in fear at his presence because they knew that Jesus has authority to overcome fear and to overcome chaos. And uh, another thing that I want us to understand from this passage of Scripture is this, is that it does not take a huge display from the Lord Jesus to bring peace into chaos, to overcome the fear that emerges out of chaos. The Lord exercised his authority in both of these situations with simply a word. That's all it took. So in Matthew chapter 26, we see that it says that Jesus got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. One of the parallel passages in one of the other gospels says that Jesus got up and said, be quiet, hush now, basically is what he's saying. So, you know, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, whatever kind of chaotic circumstance you find yourself in, the Lord Jesus can get up into that circumstance and he can say to that circumstance, be quiet. The waves are going to die down. The sea is going to become calm. And then in Luke chapter 8, verse 38, we read that what Lord Jesus in this, uh, we read, uh, I mean, not... Luke, in Matthew chapter 8.32, in the case of the demoniac, Jesus said simply these words, go, one little word. Uh, I was thinking this week, I, I grew up on hymns, I'm an old man and I've been in the church my whole life, and uh, we used to sing a hymn uh, called, um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and there's a verse in the hymn that says, uh, one little word shall fell him, meaning the enemy. So see, Jesus, just one word. Just, he spoke one word. All the Lord Jesus needs to do in your life is to bring one word of his authority, one word into your circumstances, and he can overcome the chaos, and he can bring about peace, and he can change fear into faith. And so, uh, so we see that Jesus exercises authority with just a word, but we also see that the fruit of Jesus exercising his authority over our chaos was peace. We see the same thing in both circumstances. So in Matthew chapter 8, 26, uh, we read the words that after Jesus uh, got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, it says it became completely calm. 
In Matthew and Luke chapter 8, verse 34, we read this description of what happened after Jesus said go. It says, the townspeople came out and they found the man from whom the demon had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. These descriptions are describing a biblical word that God wants to be present in all of our lives. It's the word shalom. It's the word shalom. And so uh, the fruit of Jesus exercising authority over our chaos is peace. It is shalom. The word shalom means completeness, wholeness, peace, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation and discord, a state of calm without anxiety and distress. And brothers and sisters in Jesus and those of you who are seeking, uh, I want to let you know that the presence of the Lord Jesus in your life brings these things about as we submit ourselves to him and as we uh, allow him to enter more and more and more into our lives, into those places that cause us fear. He brings his shalom. He brings his peace. He brings his wholeness. He brings his tranquility. His, he brings his soundness, his welfare. All of these things should be characterizing us as believers, that we have the shalom, the peace of God. The fruit of Jesus exercising authority over our life, over our chaos, is peace, shalom. And so I, I want to conclude our time with just thinking about how these two different groups of people responded to this display of Jesus's authority. There's two possible responses to when Jesus enters into our chaos. The first is the, is the response of the disciples. The disciples saw Jesus uh, display his power with just that word, uh, that, just that word of rebuke, and, uh, and they responded with faith and with awe and with worship. Matthew chapter 8, 27 says, the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And uh, there's been many times in my life, brothers and sisters, I have to confess to you that I've been in circumstances and I've worried and I've worried and I've worried and I've spent so much, so much of my energy in fear and concern. And, uh, and then on the other side of that, uh, after, the after the Lord always works it out in some way, not always the way that I hope that he will, but in some way that is the way that he wanted to work it out and bring me to the right place that he wants me to be. And uh, I have to worship him because of that. I have to respond in faith to him. And I, I, I remind myself, uh, right now we're kind of in a circumstance like that, and I remind myself, you know, how many times, Bill, have you been through a situation where you spent all of this energy on fear and on worry and... Uh, and three or four or six months, you look back and say, wow, God worked it out. Jesus showed up into that situation and bought his shalom. That's how the Lord wants us to live. Uh, that's what the Lord is inviting you to do today, to respond to the places of chaos, anxiety, and fear in your life by trusting him and welcoming Jesus into that place in your life so he can bring you shalom. But unfortunately, there is another way to respond because we see it in 
the response of the people of the town in Decapolis. When Jesus uh, cast out the demons, they went into the pigs and they went over the cliff and they drowned. And a lot of people focus on the economic hardship that that caused for the community, and maybe that's a possibility. But really what I think is going on here, because what we see is that the people from the town came out, and we read these words. It says, when Jesus saw him, they pleaded, when the people saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. And then uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 37, they were seized with great fear. And so the Lord can enter into a person's life and, uh, and you can welcome his shalom or you can continue in your fear and you can say, Jesus, you coming to my life is going to disrupt too much. Go away. We do do that. We do that. So I want you to take a moment and I, I want Justin to get ready to come on up because he's going to wrap things up for us. I want you to take a moment and I want you to go to that place right now where there is fear, chaos, anxiety in your life right now. Maybe you're worried, about, maybe uh, you're a person who is entering retirement and you had all of your 401ks and all of your investments set up for a comfortable retirement and uh, you look at the bottom line and you see wow I've lost 25% of my wealth I was with a guy yesterday who told me because he had invested so heavily in cryptocurrency that he lost 75% of his wealth that's a scary thing you might be in that place hopefully not 75% but if you're depending on your retirement funds today's time this is a little scary time or you might still be worried about the pandemic or I, I don't want to actually implant in you what you should be thinking right now let the Holy Spirit draw to your attention right now the place of chaos anxiety and fear that you're struggling with and I want to invite you to welcome Jesus into that place. Welcome Jesus into that place and let him bring his shalom.